It is Thursday, April 22nd here in Draft Shark Studios in Rochester, New York. One week until the NFL Draft begins. Welcome to the 35th Quick Hit Podcast in our Dynasty Prospect Scouting Report series. I'm your host, Matt Schauff. With me, as always, is Jared Smola. You can now find 41 rookie scouting reports on DraftSharks.com. Every single one of those is free for you to read, and we've still got several more to post. Check them out now. Check them out next week. Check them out even after the draft when you're wondering just how excited you should be about that guy that went earlier than you were expecting. You can also find every one of these accompanying podcasts on the DraftSharks YouTube channel, as well as any of our podcast feeds. Today's spotlight is on Michigan wideout Nico Collins. Jared, please tell us about this guy. Collins suffered a partially torn ACL as a high school freshman. It's probably, you know, worth keeping in mind, even though it was like eight years ago now. I obviously rebounded just fine. Caught 103 passes for nearly 2,000 yards and 25 touchdowns over his final two seasons at Clay Chalkville High School in Alabama. He was a four-star prospect, according to most scouting services. Received nearly 20 scholarship offers, a lot of them from, you know, big-name programs, Alabama, LSU, Clemson, Florida, Florida State, Miami, Chose to go to Michigan, which, you know, we'll get into. But I, I think, you know, that probably cost him college production, potentially cost him spots in next week's NFL draft because that Michigan passing game has not been good really since Harbaugh arrived there. As a freshman, Collins didn't do much, just three catches across four appearances. But as a sophomore in 2018, he led that Michigan team with 632 receiving yards, ranked second to fellow sophomore Donovan Peoples-Jones, now of the Browns with uh, 38 catches and six touchdowns that season for Nico Collins. Those raw numbers aren't big, but that was a bad Michigan passing game that ranked 80th in the country in passing yards per game. The market shares for Collins as a sophomore, 17% of the catches, 23% of the receiving yards, 25% of the receiving touchdowns. In 2019, as a junior, Collins outproduced Donovan Peoples-Jones across the board. 37 catches, 729 yards, and seven touchdowns for Nico Collins. It was actually, though, sophomore Ronnie Bell who led the team in catches with 48 and yards with 758. Collins did lead that team with his seven touchdowns. He missed one game that year uh, with an injury, but his market shares in his 12 games were a bit better than he posted as a sophomore. It was 17% of the catches, 24% of the receiving yards, 32% of the receiving touchdowns for Collins as a junior. 19.7 yards per catch that year, ranked 11th in the country among players with 30-plus catches. He did originally plan on returning for a senior season this past year, but then opted out when the Big Ten originally canceled their season in August. Uh, You know, the Big Ten ended up changing its mind and playing some games, but Collins did not hit the field at all this past season. 2020, of course, makes everything screwy. And I mean, Jim Jim Harbaugh is about as progressive a passing game coach, it seems, as you'd expect from somebody who orders milk with dinner. Nico, short for Dominique Collins, played baseball, football, and basketball growing up. He was the number two wide receiver recruit from the state of Alabama in that 2017 class behind only Henry Ruggs. He was voted Michigan's most improved player in 2018. His second season, he was the team's Offensive Player of the Year in 2019, of course, the last time we actually saw him on the field. Jared, we mentioned it with Sage Surratt during that video a couple days ago. I wonder if there are some shades of J.J. Ortega-Whiteside here, too, in terms of the way he wins. So let's go to the tape to see if, if I'm making that up out of nowhere. That's definitely his trump card is his ability in contested situations. Now, 
Collins is a much better athlete than Surratt, a better athlete than J.J. Ortega Whiteside as well. He's 6'4", 215 pounds. He ran a 4.45 at his pro day, a 37 and a half inch vertical. So, you know, as, you, as you'd expect, he's good in con- contested situations. He's going to, you know, sky above most of the DBs that, that he's facing. I still think he has good body control, good ball tracking, good awareness to, you know, catch balls that are off his frame. Like he, he's good on those back shoulder throws that, you know, have become pretty popular in the NFL. Not a great route runner. He doesn't create a ton of separation. I, I at least see flashes of it, enough potential where I think he can develop there. You know, he has good releases off the line of scrimmage. And, you know, he, I saw him in the few games I watched beat corners that are now in the NFL. You know, he, he beat CJ Henderson a few times in their matchup in 2019, I believe it was. You know, Henderson was the ninth overall pick of last year's draft. Uh, you see, Collins beat Kendall Sheffield a few times in his game against Ohio State. Sheffield was a, a fourth-round pick for the Falcons in 2019. So I see more potential than, you know, someone like Sage Charette when it comes to the route running stuff. I, I think the most underwhelming part of Collins' game to me was his after-catch ability. You know, for a guy that big and athletic, he, he should be better after the catch, but, you know, didn't, didn't see much to get excited about on his tape. A big, fast, athletic receiver is the guy who's going to put up flashy tape. And I think it's easier to watch those guys in college and see the things that they do well and see them as NFL catches. You know, that's the kind of stuff you're used to seeing in the NFL. So for me, the top shelf three cone time that he recorded at his pro day, it makes me wonder why he's not a better runner of intermediate routes. Is Is he lazy on those? Is he just lacking technique? Does he just need somebody to teach him how to do it better? I would like to think that he's capable of sharpening that at the next level, especially if he gets good coaching. And I think that the draft capital could start to indicate to us what the NFL coaches think. If he lasts until well into day three, I think that the NFL is saying, "Eh, we think that this guy is what he is. And if he goes, you know, round three, maybe it's somebody saying, I think I can coach this kid up and he could be really good. I looked back at at Terry McLaurin's scouting reports heading into the 2019 draft because I was thinking of, you know, a recent example of a mid-round guy with talent, with strong testing numbers, who was suppressed by his college offense and then quickly broke out in the pros. McLaurin was lauded for his precise route running, though. He was good with the ball after the catch. He was just okay at contested situations. Now, you know, those are two singular players. They might have absolutely nothing to do with each other. I was just looking if there was some kind of signal to point to maybe what the ultimate upside could be for Nico Collins. So that's kind of the opposite of the book on Collins at this point. He's good on contested balls. He's strong, but why isn't he creating more separation? The J-Jaw comparison came up for me because of the contested thing and because he, he tested fast. He ran well in the 40. He was sub 4-5, just like Ortega Whiteside. Uh, and Ortega Whiteside was a consensus top eight receiver when he came into the league. He was a second round pick. So everybody you know points to him as what not to go for now. But at the time he looked like a, a, a fairly safe prospect. So I wonder if the fact that he can't get on the field in a bad receiving core points to it being more mental than physical. And maybe it's not necessarily a type that we need to look away from. So the piece, obviously, that we're missing, the key piece on Collins is that draft capital. Is he Donovan Peoples-Jones and he sticks around on the NFL draft board until round six? Or are teams more excited and seeing the upside in him? Right. I mean, I, I think he's very similar to DPJ. I mean, again, their their numbers in 2018 and 2019 were similar. They're, they're similar as far as size and athleticism goes. I, I thought DPJ should have gone, you know, a couple of rounds earlier than he did. I think Collins should be, you know, a, a third, fourth round pick. Um, you know, he, he, I, I think you're 
paying for the upside though. He is definitely not a NFL ready wide receiver. I would not expect a big rookie year impact, but again, just the size, those measurables that we talked about, you know, you, I think you um, mentioned the three cone 86th percentile for a 215 pounder. And again, you know, the, the raw college production, not big, but the market shares were decent. You know, he, he surpassed 20% of the receiving yards and touchdowns as both a sophomore and junior. Uh, again, he was a highly regarded recruit, you know, could have gone again, could have gone to Alabama or Clemson. I just wonder if he had gone to one of those schools. I mean, may, maybe Alabama, he doesn't even get on the field behind all those guys, but I mean, I don't know. I think there's a chance that we'd all be viewing Collins in a better light. If you know, went to a school with a better passing game. Yeah, it would have been nice if we could have seen that or if we could have gotten his 2020, even though it would have been his senior year, just to see what happens in the varied situations. I think for fantasy purposes, anytime before round three of a 12-team rookie draft would be too early. There are certainly things to like about him, but there are also red flags that you can't ignore, just like with Tamarion Terry, who I at least bring up just so I can practice saying the correct last name <laughs> for him. I think even in poor passing games, receivers with stud potential tend to win on market share, and he did okay, Nico Collins, but you know, you would like to see him do better in those categories. The NFL landing spot, both team and round, I think could certainly help Collins. So for now, I'll say I'm intrigued with him as opposed to excited about him. Yep. Intrigued is a good word. I wouldn't go out reaching for him in dynasty rookie drafts. I think like you said, you know, if he, if he ends up as a sixth rounder, like people's Jones was, you know, I think we need to tap the brakes but if, if a team goes and gets him in the third or fourth um, I'm, I'm gonna you know like him as one of the bigger sleepers in this wide receiver class and that does seem to be the scout consensus right now is third fourth round so it'll be interesting to see where he finally does land head over to draftsharks.com now to read jared's full scouting report on nico collins while you're there check out the 40 other prospect scouting reports plus jared's article from tuesday on whether you should trade your first round rookie pick you shouldn't be taking nico collins in that round by the way spoiler <laughs> on that that's only for DS Insiders, so you got to be a DS Insider to read that. Become a DS Insider. You can see our pre-draft rookie rankings next week and the post-draft version a week after that. In the meantime, you can also find us on Twitter. We are at DraftSharks. Jared is at SmolaDS. I am at ShaufDS. It's S-C-H-A-U-F. For Jared Smola and the rest of the DraftSharks crew, I'm Matt Shaufsan. Thanks so much for swimming with us.